Good morning. Hear the word of the Lord to us through Mark chapter 2. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came to Jesus and asked, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And on that day, they will fast. (sighs) No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. Thank you, Cynthia. Good morning. As many of you know, I'm a... I'm a uh, Facebook uh, stalker, and uh, this is what I do in my spare time, and I see all your sin out there, so <laughs> thank you for posting it. I, I saw a post the other day that uh, just really grabbed my heart from a brother of mine, uh, Brent Angelos. Brent's a young man who grew up in this church, and he's a pastor now at uh, Rev uh, 22, and he's just an awesome pastor. And uh, he took a group... Um, to the Philippines, along with uh, No More Tears, uh, and several from his church. And the post said this. Uh, it, it showed him and a bunch of people walking down a dirt road, and it said, uh, we're headed to the bars. And we're headed to the bars, and we're going to go uh, talk to the prostitutes. Um, and that's what they were doing. They were going to the bars to go minister to the prostitutes who were hanging out at the bars. And that was their post. Scandalous. What? Pastor going to the bars to minister to prostitutes and hopefully bring them out so that they can come to a safe house and experience life. And as I read the post, I was convicted and I thought, you know what? I'm pretty sure Jesus would be walking along the road with Bren and that gang and going to the bars and grabbing a hold of the prostitutes to bring them into life. 
And that's what we're going to see in the story this morning of Levi, the tax gatherer. And so I just pray that God will move our hearts through the Holy Spirit to think about how is it that we are loving Levi's in our lives. Let me pray. Father, I just pray this morning that your Holy Spirit will impact us. I pray that you will show us your eyes and and give us your life uh, for those who are broken and lost. And sometimes that's going into crazy, scandalous places that at first we balk at. But we know that uh, you're here because uh, you came for those who are sick and you came for those who are lost. And so, Father, give us that heart Uh, We pray. We don't want to just sit in these uh, church chairs. We want your life to be lived through us. So do that this morning, I pray. The power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. You see, Jesus did indeed come for those who are sick. And what we're seeing in Mark, is, uh, as he said in, in Mark 115, is the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm here. Everything you've been waiting for. The kingdom of God is at hand. You want to know what it's like to have a relationship with God. Do you want to know him more? Do you want to know what his living life is like, what living in his kingdom looks like? Then come, follow me, and I will show you these things. Jesus is walking alongside the Sea of Galilee. That's the scene. And he's teaching them all throughout his journey, not only healing them, but he's teaching them the word of God. And we can't forget that art brought us the passage of uh, the paralytic broken through the ceiling. He's teaching them about who he is. The kingdom of God is at hand. Child, your sins are forgiven. And so he's revealing to all those around him who he is. He's not just some guy who's a prophet. He's just not some guy who's a great teacher. He is God in the flesh, and the kingdom of God has arrived. And that's who he is, and he's revealing himself To those around him, the kingdom of God is here. And he's ministering in a broken world. And as he does that, he encounters Levi. And the question for us this morning is, how do we learn to love Levi's that come into our lives? And I think Jesus lived his life living with his eyes wide open, attentive to the Father's will. You see, he wasn't just taking a stroll along the beach on the Sea of Galilee. It's beautiful, by the way. He wasn't just out enjoying the sunshine. He was very intentional. You see, Jesus wasn't just going to the office. He's not just going to school that day. He's not just showing up at a doctor's appointment. He's not just hopping on a plane ride. His eyes are wide open to what God has for him that very moment. And which life he's going to impact that very day. That's the way he lived life. Remember, he, he's, always, he's always going away to be with the Father. Father, what do you have for me today? All my disciples are like, hey, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. We've got to go over here. He's like, I don't know, we're, we're going to go over here. I know what God has for me today. That's the way he lived life. Wide open, eyes looking to what God has for him, listening to the Father And in the middle of the crowd, and Jesus is a rock star at this time. I mean, he really is. Thousands are gathering around him, pressed in upon him. He gets laser-focused, eyes wide open, on Levi the tax gatherer. I mean, that's, 
Tax gatherers were awful. Nobody wanted to be around them. And Jesus shows up really saying, you want to know who I invite to join me in life? You really want to know about the kingdom of God? Well, let me show you. You really want to know God's real character? Let me show you. Do you really want to know how he views you? Let me show you. You see, the tax gatherer, everybody despised the tax gatherer. They were the lowest of low. They were considered unclean by the Jewish rabbis. Politically, they were in the employment of the hated Roman occupation of Palestine. So tax gatherers, especially Levi, was considered a traitor. Morally, because they were the most dishonest people in town. They were guilty of extortion and they exploited their clients. They were just purely awful people. Barclay said this, he said, he said, so rare was honesty in the profession of tax gatherer that a Roman writer once said he actually saw a monument to an honest tax collector. They built a monument. Here was an honest guy, one. Let's build a monument. In the community, he was isolated. He couldn't serve as a judge or a witness. He was isolated from the community. He couldn't go into the temple or the synagogues. He was a social outcast. And all he could do is hang out with other tax collectors and the prostitutes and the worst of the worst sinners. That was his life. Can you imagine his parents? I would imagine that Levi was an incredible disappointment to his parents. You see, he's from the tribe of Levi. That means he probably would have gotten training in the temple and in the scriptures to become a scribe. I'm sure they had these amazing expectations for their son, just like you do for your children. Planning and thinking, oh, maybe they'll be like father. He was a religious man. But Levi became a traitor, turned his back on his parents, on his whole family, on the nation, turned his back on God. And can you imagine how his parents felt in that community? It was a shame-based community. And so shame, shame, shame on the parents of Levi. This son of ours, I'm sure they're thinking, oy vey, we didn't raise him to be this way. You ever have children like that? Oy vey. We didn't train him in this way. We brought him up in truth. We brought him up in God's love. And they've declined and denied all of that. You want to know about the kingdom of God? Here's what's beautiful about this passage. But Jesus, but Jesus, just happens to be walking alongside the Sea of Galilee. And there's a tax booth. Eyes wide open to the Father's will and to his heart. He steps into his life. And he saw Levi. Levi's despicable me. And Jesus loves despicable me's. Levi had nothing to commend himself unto the Lord. He was a wrecked, ruined life. He was hopeless. And yet Jesus, in his kingdom, seems to have lots and lots of room for despicable me's. You see, Christianity is not a religion of all these, these wonderful people with incredible reputations. It's for the disreputable. It's for the broken. It's for the lost. It's for people like us. And so... 
You want to know the heart of God through his son, Jesus, for a tax gatherer, the worst of the worst, despicable me? Come follow me, Levi. I want you. And that's what Jesus says to each and every one of us. I want you. You can imagine the fishermen are upset, Andrew and Peter, James and John, because Levi ripped them off all the time. He was gathering fish tax from those guys and taking a lot more. And you can imagine those guys going, Jesus, come on, man. Not Levi. But Jesus isn't concerned about ruffling the feathers of those four guys. He's concerned about the heart of this one man, Levi, who he's laser-focused in on. Be following me is really the way the Greek plays out. Enter into a life of following me, Levi. And Levi left everything behind and he began to follow Jesus. Eyes wide open. Jesus' eyes were wide open to him. And he saw Levi. And not only did he see Levi, he saw who Levi could be. Some of you studied art in college and there's a great, great story of a, of a piece of work of art that came out of Florence. There was a beautiful stone, marble stone, that came out of Carrara in Florence. It was, it was the most wonderful place to get marble. And it was intended to be made into a, uh, sculpted into an Old Testament prophet. And it was for Donatello, famous, famous, wonderful artist, sculptor. And as he saw that piece of stone... He realized there was flaws in the stone and he wanted nothing to do with it. And so it sat in the courtyard. It contained imperfections. It wasn't good for him. And so there it was in the cathedral yard, a useless block. Several months went by and then another artist came by and he saw the flawed block and he examined it and he looked at it and he walked around it. He thought to himself, I think I can make something beautiful out of this. And he resolved to sculpt this block that was rejected by Donatello. And so for two years, he chiseled away at this flawed marble block. It was despised, it was rejected, not only by Donatello, but many other artists. But then two years later, January 25th, 1504, it was finished. And so gathered all the great artists around Botticelli and Leonardo da Vinci and Peruguino, who was the teacher of Raphael. All of them gathered. And then the curtain, the veil was dropped and there was a gasp. Everyone who saw it called it a masterpiece. And it's remained a masterpiece to this day. You know what it is? David. The incredible statue of David. I've seen it. It is. It's incredible. And it's amazing. This flawed, rejected block that nobody saw the beauty in, but it was chiseled to be a masterpiece. That's the way Jesus views us. We are all flawed and broken without him. And Levi was chiseled and he became Matthew, gift of God. You see, Jesus sees what no one else sees. Jesus wants who no one else wants. And he said, Levi, come follow me. He saw Levi. Luke states in his gospel, he saw a tax collector. Matthew, who Levi became, in his gospel says, 
And Jesus saw a man. I'll take that beautiful man who's flawed and I will make him into a masterpiece. I don't think anybody thought it was going to last. You ever wonder that about some people who become Christians? I don't know if this is going to work. Maybe you even thought that of yourself. I don't know if this is really going to change me. I'm sure Levi thought that. How in the world can anybody love me? But he was grabbed a hold of, eyes wide open. He left everything and he followed him. His heart was transformed. He, he stepped into life with God in the flesh. And he was 100% committed, like an Olympic champion selected for the team. Whole life sold out to run this race. He was transformed. Let me say a little side note here about Levi. And just about us and about those you love. No one is beyond hope. I'm sure everybody in that community, including maybe his parents, thought this kid is hopeless. There's no way he's going to ever change or come to know God. There's no way. But I think this story teaches us that there is no one beyond hope. The other thing I noticed in this is that, you know, we may not know how to reach those who are lost and broken. We, 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 we try, and we just feel like, man, you know, everything I say just seems to fall to the ground. But here's the truth about Jesus. Jesus knows how to reach into a heart of a lost soul. He knows how to chisel a, a, a messed up block. Jesus does. King of the universe. The kingdom of God has shown up. And so we can trust in the Lord that he's continually doing that work. Even though we have failed, even though his parents sometimes were like, oh, my kids. But Jesus can step in there. And he does. And so trust him and, and ask him, Lord, step in. Because Jesus sees eyes wide open who they are. Nothing is hidden from him. He saw what no one else could see. And it's impossible for us to really know what's happening in the heart of a man or a woman, right? But Jesus sees all that. And so we can rest in that. His heart was transformed. He had to rejoice. Levi did. And so now comes this wonderful party that's going on. I think this is really the key to the whole story. Not so much that, that Levi said okay to Jesus, but it's now how he is living his life out in the life of Christ. And he throws this amazing party for Jesus. How do we love Levi's? How do we learn to do that? We live with eyes wide open. Our day is not just about our appointments. Our, our life is no longer our own. We're bought with a price. And it's I who no longer live, but Christ living through me. How do we learn to love Levi's? Eyes wide open. And the next thing I see is that we enter into their world. We eat lunch together. We party together. We celebrate together. And for some of us, I know that's, whoa, back up. But we enter into their world to show them the love of Christ. It's really interesting as you study all of Scripture, you come to find that the kingdom of God is a big party. There's a lot of celebrating going on. There's a lot of eating going on and banquets that are thrown. All this life in Christ. There's a lot of wedding celebrations going on. And so here's Levi. He, he, he is just 
you know, he's a dog just shaking after the stick. I mean, he just want, he's just a happy guy. Transformed, and he can't help but celebrate. So what does he do? He gathers all of his friends. Who are all of his friends? The worst of the worst. Because his heart's been touched by Jesus. He's like, I want you to meet this guy. And so he invites Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Oh, no way. Because you're a bunch of prostitutes and tax gatherers. I can't hang out with you. I mean, my reputation. And you know what? That was actually a big thing. Everybody was judging that. But Jesus didn't care. The Amplified Bible says of this group, this motley crew, they were notorious sinners. Love that. And Jesus entered right in. You see, what happens is, and and the unfortunate thing is, everybody who's walking around and going, what's righteousness all about? It doesn't look like this. They assumed if you're entering in with these people, then, then you're like them. And that you... You approve of their lifestyle because you're hanging out with them. Therefore, you must approve of everything they're doing. That's so contrary to who Jesus was. No, he entered in because he loved them. And one of the things we find about Jesus' life is that he hung out with a lot of bad company. And you know what I think one of the biggest problems for us in evangelical Christianity, we don't have enough bad company, honestly. We don't. Again, I don't know how many of you were kind of shocked. You're going to the bars where the prostitutes hang out? That's kind of bad company. But Jesus had a lot of it. But very intentional. Eyes wide open. You see, I came for those who are sick. And I'm going to enter into their lives and try to love them so that they might actually have real life. Because right now they're dying. And they will literally be separated from me for eternity if they don't know my love. Don't have an opportunity. And so he enters in, and the essence of the story is in this party. Levi left everything he had and followed Jesus, the Gospels tell us, the other Gospels. And they had to celebrate this life, this new life. Remember the prodigal son? The father says, we had to celebrate. We had to be glad because this brother of yours was dead, and he's alive again. He's lost, and now he is found. He brought them all together. Jesus enters in. There was indeed a great risk of his reputation. But Jesus, his mission involves, his mission involves the incorporation of such people into his kingdom. And you cannot miss that about our Jesus. I think we need to have a little bit more bad company and invite them over and have lunch, dinner. You see, dining together... That blew everybody away, right? See, when you dine together, it's like, oh, you're, you're part of them. You're connecting. It's fellowship. And Jesus knew all that was going on around and what people were saying. But he's like, you know what? This is why I'm here. Isaiah 25 says this, The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all the peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine and choice pieces with marrow and refined aged wine. I want you to think just about something for your life. Open your homes. Open your homes. You know what? This, this uh, international students, Keenan and I have been involved with this for years. And we've had several students uh, throughout the years. We have this wonderful gal, Clementine, who I've told you about before. Clementine's like our daughter now, literally. 
I mean, she calls all the time, and, and so she's from France, and, and lived in France, came, and then, you know, we just, she, she came like a daughter. It's just her birthday yesterday. And so we celebrate life with her, and, and she's getting her PhD. She's actually, she was in Boston, and now she's in Michigan getting her PhD, and, and we went out to Boston last year to just celebrate more life with her, and, and she, you know, she's always looking forward to time with us. But we, we, we always had her over for dinner and, and just celebrated life. And she got to see the life of Christ. And you know what's really been cool about this international students, and I, I highly, highly recommend it. But the thing that's cool, so we got another gal, her name's Jenna, she's from Belgium. And, and she's a golfer at BSU, and if you, if you actually go down to BSU on the tennis courts, they have those big posters. But she's on one of them, you know. Uh, she's a golfer, amazing. And, uh, but we always, this Kina's family, the Swansons, we have these Swanson family dinners every month. And, uh, no, they're not just the little trays of, you know, they're like big, big Swanson family dinners. But she, um, she, Jenna would always come over and, and then, uh, she started to fall in love with this guy. And, uh, again, Jenna doesn't know the Lord and neither does this guy who, uh, who is with her, and, um, but we would always do this, we're like, Jenna, bring, bring him over, we want to get to know him, and she loved coming over to the Swanson family dinners, because it's just, we're just eating, and laughing, and enjoying life together, and, and again, she, she doesn't have anything to do with the Lord, and then so we, we have this young man come over, and I'm sitting here, and we're getting into all this conversation, and, and he and I really connected, and, and, uh, I told Kina after the, I told Kina after the conversation, I go, that young man was dialed in to what was going on around here. Like, I can tell his heart is open to spiritual things. And uh, check this out. Next day, we get a phone call from him. Hey, can we maybe uh, meet? I wanted to talk to you about a couple things about my relationship uh, with Jenna and uh, just want to talk to you about some things. We entered into his world. He entered into ours. Open your homes. Have some bad company. Have some people who don't know the Lord. And just share life together. Share life together. Be intentional, though. You know what I mean? So truly, try, you know, this is one way. And it's a wonderful way. Connect. These international students are coming to us. And we get a, they, want, they want people to be involved in their lives. What a great way to, to share the love of Christ. Jesus risked his reputation. He didn't care. Everybody around is going, who is this guy? It's an insult. This isn't what righteousness looks like. This isn't what the kingdom of God looks like. And Jesus is like, no, see, that's the problem. You, you have the wrong idea of what the kingdom of God looks like. And you have the wrong view of God and who he is. The kingdom of God is at hand. You have a wrong view of God's nature. And see, that was the problem that, the Pharisees were wanting to be holy. They were, they were the separated ones. That's what Pharisees kind of means, the separated ones. They were wanting to, to really love God and please God with all of their righteousness, but then it becomes self-righteous and, and all their piety and then all the rules and regulations that just oppressed everybody. And they're saying, the kingdom of God is supposed to look like this. We're supposed to, to be separated out. You see, they thought holiness meant insulation. We insulate ourselves from all this stuff. 
out here. And what Jesus is trying to point out with his life is, no, 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 that's not what it is at all. That's not what the character of God is all about. They thought it meant avoid sinners. And he's going, no, it doesn't mean avoid sinners. It means step right in with them. Do you remember when Jesus prays for the disciples? He says, listen, Lord, my prayer is that you don't take them out of the world, but you protect them while they're right in the middle of it. Don't take them out of the bars, necessarily. And, and let, me, let me also just say a comment about that. You know what, if you're struggling with sexual stuff, and if you're struggling with alcohol, no, I don't recommend you go to the bars and where the prostitutes are. But if you go in with a, with a vision, with a heartbeat, that I'm going to save that which is lost, then go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's have some bad company. Because that's what the kingdom of God is. And he wants to use us. See, that's the thing. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the life of Christ living through us, he wants to use us. Not remove us from danger or bad company. He wants us right in the middle, but he's asking God, the Father, protect us in the middle of it. Protect us from temptation. Protect us. But live out the life of Christ there. History records when... Oliver Cromwell, when he ruled England, the nation experienced a crisis. They actually were running out of silver. And they couldn't mint any more coins. And so Cromwell sent all the soldiers, like, we've got to find some silver somewhere. And they came back and said, well, we found some, but you're not going to like this. The only silver that we have, is, it's the statues for all the saints. Cromwell said, we'll melt down the saints. Let's get them back into circulation. That's what I think God wants to do with us. You know, here we are. We're all in church. He's like, melt them down. Let's get them out in the circulation. Because that's what the kingdom of God is all about. And he enters in. And God does that with us. You see, the new kingdom is at hand. And you don't understand it. Holiness is not separated out. It's stepping right in. And and the new kingdom enters in. It's not about these rules and what righteousness looks like. You don't understand the nature of God. The nature of God is to seek and save that which is lost. And so we enter into their world. How do we love Levi's? We enter into their world. And then the last part that I see in this passage, how do we learn to love Levi's? We understand the new kingdom and we share the joy. He gets into this whole section now. He kind of switches gears out of Levi's scene, but I think it's the same time, actually. I think it's kind of all flowing together. There's fasting going on, and and John's disciples are fasting, and and now they're getting on Jesus. Wait a second. The Pharisees are fasting, and your disciples, uh, some of them are uh, fasting. John's disciples are. Why the heck are you doing that? And Jesus, once again, is going to point out, let me share with you what the kingdom of God is all about. You see, initially, fasting was just supposed to be once a year at the Day of Atonement, but the Pharisees kept adding all these rules. Now here's how we fast, and we've got to do it at least a couple times a year, and we're putting on all these rules, and we're supposed, to, we're supposed to mourn, supposed to grieve. It's repentance, humility. And again, those are good things in, in and of themselves. Jesus isn't against fasting. The problem is he's against fasting where it's all of a sudden trying to set up, this is what holiness looks like. And this is what righteousness looks like, and it's not that at all. And so Jesus is going, 
listen, you guys are laying on us fasting. We see in the other Gospels, you know, they sackcloth and ash. And like, oh, I'm fasting. That's what they would do. So everybody would know. He's like, no, that's not what life is about. Why don't we fast? Why? Are you kidding me? Because the bridegroom is here. The kingdom of God has arrived. You're missing the whole picture. Can the saints fast when the bridegroom is here? No. The answer to that is no. And so he brings them into this wedding feast. He brings them into a celebration. You cannot fast when the bridegroom is here. When, when, when you are living out in the presence of everything you've been waiting for, the Messiah has come. The Savior of the world is right in your midst. And we enter into the wedding feast. It's like entering into a marriage relationship. You see, the Jewish culture, and you guys learned some of this, is it will last a week long, the celebration. It was the happiest week. Everybody who came was, was treated like kings and queens. There was a rabbinical ruling that said this, all in attendance on the bridegroom are relieved of all religious observances which would lessen their joy. The wedding guests were exempt from fasting. It was meant to be a continuous joy and it's full of wine and life. And he's going, listen, are you kidding? We, we are celebrating. And, and it's full of joy. And what's happening is you Pharisees are just putting all this pressure on everybody and everybody's missing the joy of the life in Christ. You see, Levi, he's full of joy and that cannot be contained. You can't put some new piece of cloth on an old garment, it's just going to tear. You can't put new wine into old wineskins. Why? Because it's going to ferment and it's going to explode. The joy cannot be contained. We're not just putting a patch on old Judaism. It's a whole new kingdom and it's a whole new life. And it's one that's transformative and it's not about the ritual and the, the rigid laws and the rules. It's about having bad company and knowing that they need a doctor. You self-righteous Pharisees, you don't even know that you're sick. And I came for those who are sick. But what happens is, when we share life, like with these international students, do you understand what happens? How do we love Levi's? When we share life like that together, the joy of Christ just starts to explode. And they start to see the love of Jesus. It's like, what is it about you that's so different from everything I know? What is that joy in you? It's Jesus. Because the kingdom of God has arrived. And Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I want everybody to meet him. This is who he is. And this is how we love Levi's. Let me pray. Father, you're amazing in what you've showed us and how you live life. You're amazing how you transform hearts. And you're amazing how you never stop. And Father, we know that you are doing your good work today. And you continue to do it. And so I pray even in this room that you are breaking through hearts that want to know you. They're lost and lonely and need a Savior. Would you minister to them? Would they truly know that they are so valuable to you? That they are beautiful children who you invite to the wedding feast, who you invite into the kingdom to be your children. We love you, Lord Jesus. We praise you for your word. And we praise you for your life in us. Amen.